Welcome to Coffee with Dr. Stewart. This show will provide our listeners with up-to-date medical information from a leading neurotologist and neuroimmune specialist. With Dr. Stewart's broad medical knowledge, we will discuss how he helps his patients with issues such as ADD, migraines, hormones, dizziness, sleep, fatigue, methylation, autism, and genetic mutations. I am your host, Kara Stewart-Mullins, and I invite you to sit back, grab your cup of coffee or favorite beverage, and let's have Coffee with Dr. Stewart. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 4 of Coffee with Dr. Stewart. I hope you all are having a wonderful day, as I am. I am happy here sitting with Dr. Kendall Stewart, neurotologist and neuramine specialist. Hi, Dr. Stewart. Hi. How are you today, Karen? You're not tired, are you? Nope. I had my coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta have coffee, because the show is called Coffee with Dr. Stewart. I didn't think of it. I tried to talk him into calling it Cocktails with Dr. Stewart, but he didn't go for it, so he's a big coffee drinker. Well, on our last episode, episode three, we talked about ADD, ADHD, some interesting, interesting stuff that Dr. Stewart shared with us and some, some stories I think everybody will find helpful in uh, defining what ADD is about. But um, this week we're going to, we're going to cover something a little bit, I, I'd say harder to go over because it's so common and so many different views on it. And we're going to talk about headaches and migraines. And we're talking about more in the chronic headache category. And then migraines, I don't know if anybody out there had a migraine like myself, it is a horrible thing to go through. Mm-hmm. I mean, Dr. Stewart, have you ever suffered from a migraine? Yeah, I've had migraines before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people, you know, everybody's gone, oh, it's stress. Oh, it's, it's you know, allergies. It's this, it's that. There's a little bit more to it that we're going to talk with Dr. Stewart about. And then we're also going to talk towards the end a little bit about head injuries post-concussion that can, you know, lead into migraines later on in life. So with that said, let me give a quick fact here, Dr. Stewart. You know, they estimate today the National Health Institute estimates that one in 10 people will suffer from recurrent migraine headaches during their lifetime. And because these conditions present themselves as symptoms, like you talk about a lot, they typically, their friends or family don't really think that they're ill or something's wrong with them. They come off as problematic person or they appear normal, but some people might call them hypochondriacs or they're complainers. They're using their headache as an excuse or just doctors call them problem patients because they don't know what to do with them besides give them a headache pill. Now let's get your opinion. Okay. (laughs) Let's go to the expert here because Dr. Stewart does treat a lot of of neurological and head issues, I guess you could say. Well, uh, basically, you know, migraines are a really hard problem. Uh, They're not only hard to um, live with, which is can be disastrous and debilitating, but they're also hard on your family, but they're also hard for physicians to treat. Mm -hmm. The way that I approach migraines is a little bit different than what you'd find from a standard, you know, neurologist type of situation where just like most neuroimmune syndromes, a migraine, you go to a neurologist, they'll give you a headache uh, medicine, typically Mm -hmm. uh, one of the triptans or something like that, or one to a medicine to actually kind of suppress the occurrence of migraines, which are typically typically in the anti-seizure category. And basically, they just sit around and uh, treat the headache as it comes instead of actually being proactive underneath and finding out why there's an underlying inflammatory 
process involving the trigeminal nerve. Now, I'll back up a little bit and tell you the trigeminal nerve, which is the fifth cranial nerve, okay. is typically responsible for migrinous activity in most people. And what is migrinous activity? Migrinous, migrinous activity is, there's a various definitions of it, but migraine is a severe headache that has certain classifications. We call them both common migraines versus variant migraines. Uh, they can produce uh, auras, things like uh, halos in your eyes, flashing lights. Uh, there's always some kind of initiating factor that comes on before the headache comes. Uh, you can also have migraines without headache, which means you can get all those symptoms but don't get the headache in behind it. And for a long time, we really felt that there was actually a vascular involvement, meaning that we had a blood vessel that essentially squeezed close and would limit the blood supply to a certain area of the brain. And then when that blood supply got severe enough, cut off severe enough, that it would actually explode back open and the flood of blood back into that area would engorge it and set it off. Is that true? The latest kind of research going on over the last few years is actually questioning that. Okay. Uh, they're now starting to believe that it may just be some irritability. What do you think? Well, what I would tell you is I think it could probably be both. That the irritability in an area uh, inflammation-wise uh, causes nerves to not function as well, to be hypersensitive. We're not talking about seizure type of irritability, but we're talking about kind of a micro-inflammatory uh, process that you would maybe cause micro-seizures, but doctors, I don't want to label it in the seizure category, so they've come up with some creative terms like spreading depression and all that type of stuff. What really matters is that you've got an underlying inflammation of some structure mm -hmm. that's not letting it work well. Okay, okay? And, and that's that how goes back to some previous episodes, inflammation and right. that. So almost always when you're dealing with migraine, the inflammation means that something is causing the inflammatory problem, which in general, in my mind, has to be viral in origin in most cases. Like the virus taking over the nerve? Well, no, viruses live in nerves. So you're talking about the herpes variant. Usually you're talking about chicken pox, uh, fever, blister, canker sore virus, um, possibly a few other ones, maybe even Epstein-Barr, a few other type of herpes variants, which are the most common. The problem is, is that nerves and immune systems in general, which are responsible for containing this viral load, uh, has to do a lot of other things in the body. Yeah. And so, you know, when you deal with migraines, so many things can com compound and complex the or make the, the symptomatic surrounding issues quite a bit worse. So we deal with hormones, we deal with low pressure, we deal with allergies, we deal with stress. You look at the whole gamut. You have to because the whole idea, but that, that whole gamut tends to then start make the pattern look a lot more unclear, mm -hmm. you know. Now, what I'm going to tell you is if you look at those right, though, you're finding out that you have an inflammatory source somewhere else in the body. For instance, hormones are very well known to flare migraines. Yeah, I was just going to say, because um, had a really bad time with hormones in sixth grade, okay? Isn't that kind of right around puberty? Yep, or a lot of women have migraines. I wanted to ask you about that. Have like, migraines in premenstrual time frames. What yeah. you're really doing in that situation is you're starting to develop an endometrium. Uh, you're starting to have a change in the body chemistry related to hormones. You're having lots of development of organs that really weren't developed before at puberty. And in women who are premenstrual, they're starting to inflame the endometrium so they can slough it and have a period. Okay. So what you got to understand, whether it's allergies, um, whether it's a hormonal uh, premenstrual issue, whether it's stress, you're always dealing with some kind of 
of challenge to the body in general, and it's usually an inflammatory challenge. Now, and to get back to hormones, just real quick, because it seems like women suffer from migraines, Mm -hmm. or at least we talk about them more. (laughs) Men may not talk about them as much, but with the hormone factor, if you can find a doctor out there who can get your hormones balanced, do you have a higher chance? Because I know you do a lot of that in your clinic. You know, you do a big hormone panel. Yeah, well, there's there's actually two parts. There are some people that just need to be on typically birth control and not have a hormonal flux, and they'll do really well. And then there's other people who that doesn't work at all and make it worse and we have to go about trying to balance their hormonal ratios okay. so we can you can look at it a whole different way what I would tell you is you need to find a quality doctor especially if you're a woman and you have to look at the hormonal relationship to the headache itself now with all that being said really the foundation of migraine activity is actually an immune phenomenon you've got to have an immune system that's working okay to keep the inflammation down because we've got two types of cells in our immune system we have T cells and these are cells that kill viruses, bacteria, yeast, fungus, cancer. And then we have B cells, which are inflammatory allergic. What I'm going to tell you is not everybody can get a migraine because in order to create enough inflammation to get a migraine activity, you really have to create a situation where your T cells, the cells that kill things, are not functioning as well. And there's actually a cell on that side called a CD8. It's a T suppressor cell. Mm-hmm. And its whole job is to suppress the inflammatory cells cells of the called the B cells. And so if they're not functioning as well because of a methylation deficiency or something is not letting them function properly or they're not plentiful enough, then God has a failsafe to where your B cells, which are your inflammatory allergic cells, become explosive. And that creates a lot more inflammation. That creates a propensity toward allergies, asthma, food sensitivities, uh-huh. and all the other things that can then be affiliated with migranous activity. You know, f- even besides the migranous activity, you know, the allergy part, you know, we have a lot of people that from Neurobiologics, the company I work for, the supplement company, when we start giving them the methylation products, you know, that you've created for us and some of the, like the PRP, which Mm -hmm. is the, not an allergy spray, but it's an immune support spray. In turn, they tell us, you know, you were fixing something else, but it fixed my allergies. And so it's, they're as happy as can be because you, you helped them with their migraine, but then you also got rid of their allergies. So. Well, always remember that all the designs we did for neurobiologic is still focused on neuroimmune syndrome. So we're focused on improving the health of the immune system, stabilizing and improving the health of the nervous system, mm-hmm. and allowing people natural ways to deal with uh, symptomatic um, relief from more natural uh, nutraceuticals. Putting back in the body what it was intended to be. That's there. really what it is. And so that, that phenomenon of replenishment in the body of something that is genetically or acquired weakness really works beautifully. So we can certainly use migraine medicines. We can give occipital injections. We can use anti-seizure medicines. We can do all those things to kind of cover it up. But if you don't do something about the underlying insufficiency, you're going to be dealing with it off and on the rest of your life. Yeah. And I know a lot of people that that do, you know, and they they have a couple days where they're down and can't get out of bed. So from from a start, you know, um, we'll, we'll talk about it soon, but I think that you have to start looking at sources of inflammation and trying to with, 
withdraw them from your environment. Are you talking about like drinking too much wine or? Sure. <laughs> Can be that. As an example. You and know. I think, you know, I think after the break, we should talk about basically what that really entails and how we can deal with it both, you know, supplemental wise, but also non-medicinally. Okay. Yeah, we'll be right back. We're going to continue with Dr. Stewart and talking about migraines and headaches. And then we're also going to talk a little bit um, about head injuries. And um, maybe you might be walking around with post-concussion and you don't even know it. We'll be right back. No two people are the same. Our health issues and our nutritional needs are as unique as our smiles. That's why our mission at Neurobiologics is simple. Provide quality nutrition that changes lives, one formula at a time. Developed through a collaboration with top U.S. physicians, each Neurobiologics formula carefully targets specific health issues. I can't tell you how much supplementation has helped our family. Being able to put back in their bodies what they were missing, we had dramatic results. We had focus in school. We had children that were able to sleep through the night. We had children that had their moods regulated. What we're interested more in neurobiologics is replenishing the insufficiencies that the body has in order to recover the underlying problem and reestablish the nervous system and immune system normal function. Each of us is unique. Shouldn't your supplement be too? Neurobiologics. We are changing lives one formula at a time. And we are back with Coffee with Dr. Stewart. We are here with Dr. Stewart on episode number four, discussing headaches and migraines. I'm your host, Kara Mullins. And Dr. Stewart has been giving us some pretty interesting information on what and how he treats headaches and migraines. And uh, Dr. Stewart, before we came to break, we were talking about some ways that you go about diagnosing migraines or, you know, trying to get to the source of, of where the migraine or headache problem might be coming from. Can you... Yeah, so, you know, I want to give you a little kind of uh, roadmap of how that I would go about it in general. First of all, you, you certainly want to probably obtain some blood work to look and make sure that you don't have a, an underlying methylation issue, which is 90% of patients with migraines. Really? We've got to make sure your hormones are right. You've got to make sure your thyroid is right. In fact, we need thyroid to be kind of at the middle of normal or above when we have a nerve sensitivity issue. So if there's a normal range, we want it to kind of be right in the middle. We don't okay. want it at the low end and think that it's normal. And you also got to pay attention to make sure there's no underlying infection in the body, which means hidden infections like chronic sinus infections, urinary tract infections. Which uh, you may already know that you have. You may already know, but you may not. There's always a driving factor behind migraines. Now, once you've done that, you want to start looking at allergies and inhaled allergens. You want to start looking at GI health because a big source of chronic Stomach. inflammation is gastrointestinal irritation and inflammation. And, with, and related to that, you have to look at food sensitivities because you'll be shocked at how many people have food sensitivities in who have migraines. Uh, and that, that would be a simple allergy test? It's actually, we use an ALA test, which is a little blood test to t check 95 foods and see how sensitive you are and to And that them. could be causing the migraine after you... What we're talking about here is not acute allergies. So if I'm allergic to peanuts and I pop a peanut in my mouth, <laughs> I know it, okay? Yeah. But this is what we call delayed 
food sensitivity. And it comes from a different antibody called an IgG molecule. And it basically happens four to eight hours after you eat the food. Okay. And so good luck trying to remember what the heck it was. And we eat such complex foods these days that have all mm-hmm. kinds of things in them that it's almost impossible a lot of times to tell what's really driving the problem. So we have to use something to measure that. Well, and a lot of your patients always talk about going gluten-free and their sure. headaches. So the way. big five or six, let's just say six for food sensitivities are actually gluten or wheat, casein or cow's milk products, soy, which most people forget, eggs, which mm-hmm. most people don't know, yeast, which okay. is a big one, and also nuts tend to be a big one. And even some people are allergic to other little things here and there. And that's why you really need a profile because it could be something that you actually eat all the time Every and just, day. you think you're doing the right thing and you're really just driving the potential for your migraine. And then once you do that, what you want to do is make sure that you have a healthy immune system in general. And so the less stress that we have on the immune system from those other sources, the more functional and the less frequency the migraines will occur. Now with the methylation support and nutraceuticals, we then find your weaknesses, put it back in, and that raises the threshold even further. So it makes it harder and harder and harder to stress yourself into a migraine. And again, I want to I want to know, you know, he's been using the word methylation a lot. That is episode two. If you are not understanding what methylation is, that's a good episode to go listen to so that you can understand what we're talking about. And so really, if you have gastrointestinal irritation, you're going to want to go and uh, look at taking some enzymes. You're going to want to take some good probiotics. Okay. You may need to take some immune restore, which has a lot of beta glucans, echinacea, things to actually help the immune system function. That's a capsule function. you just mm-hmm. swallow. And you also can take PRP type of products. So that's proline rich polypeptides, which are natural anti-inflammatories that calm, calm down bowel irritation mm-hmm. and actually calm a lot of times just general inflammation. Yeah, the a popular product with neurobiologics is the immune GI recovery tubules. These tasty strawberry <laughs> vanilla tasting tubules right. that kids can take and you know a lot of parents take it themselves because they say it oh, helps you know, that was, inflammation. That was created by Dr. Keach, a good friend of ours out in Phoenix and he was a, it's kind of an interesting guy. He was a researcher and PhD and what he was looking at was ways to control cytokines or chemical messengers and really he, on a hunch he decided to go look at the colostrum or mother's milk mm-hmm. and wound up to found that there are these proteins in mother's milk that has a beautiful way of suppressing inflammation and so that's what proline rich polypeptides are. Yeah because we have a lot of people report back that they feel a 10 times better once you get the gut fixed a lot of these neuramine syndromes sometimes. Well you're exactly right. Died. You got I tell people my patients you know the gut is really if we stretch it out as as big as a tennis court. Yeah, you said that before, and that just blows my mind. Yeah. That's huge. So I always tell people, how do you feel with a sunburn? And they always on say, a tennis terrible. Court. <laughs> and then how do you feel with a sunburn on a tennis court shoved in your bowel? Ugh. So the whole idea is you just don't have a good feeling for how much trouble that creates for your immune system. So let me ask you this. So if your stomach is hurting, that's a telltale sign that you've got some major inflammation going on. Because or that's food sensitivities, so sens- right. Because it's so sensitive. Correct. Yeah. And so you need to do something about it. Right. And what would be some steps to go do something about that? Well, first of all, you need to get a a test to find out what you're sensitive to and what not. So don't put in the offending agent. Okay. 
Second of all, you need to take some probiotics. You need to take something to calm down the inflammation of the bowel. In rare cases, not rare in my clinic, but rare in the general population, we can have an immune deficiency syndrome where we don't make antibodies, we don't make immune cells plentiful Mm -hmm. enough to even have a normal GI tract. So those people become allergic to almost everything, and I I have people like that, and you'd be shocked. It's really scary when you don't even know if you can eat normal food. Yeah, you know, I worked in your clinic for a short amount of time, and I just remember parents coming in and go, oh, the child only eats four or five things, and because it was the only thing that didn't hurt their belly. Right. And that's their way. But then they come back after seeing you for six months, and they go, guess what? He's up to like 12 foods, yeah, and they're ecstatic because they can actually <laughs> go out to dinner, you know? know? And it amazes me just how everything correlates. I mean, you know, we're on headaches and migraines, but now we're back to, to the immune system. Well, it's, it always goes back. So that's why these are called neuroimmune syndromes, because we always go back to the immune system. Yeah. Because the only thing that can really make the nervous system not function well is either not feeding it what it needs to function, mm-hmm. which is nutritional, or inflammation, which has to be created by the immune system. And what about all the migraine pills out there? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I How think do they work? That's a good question. I mean, the triptans are the most well-known. That's Imitrex, Relpax, you know, Maxalt, Trova, yeah. all types of things. Those are triptans, and we're not really sure exactly how they work. I mean, what I can tell you is they do work, and those are great to take um, should you have a migraine here and there. But when you start taking eight or nine a month, which is all the insurance companies typically will fill, and there are some people that would practically take them every day if they could, then you're really in a bind. So then you go from that step, you go on to what we call a suppressive therapy, where we essentially, a preventative therapy, we put you on an anti-seizure medicine to calm down the nerve so that hopefully it won't get into that inflammatory state. That inflammatory um, explosion that causes the migraine. But anytime you start to suppress nerves, you're going to suppress the brain too. Uh, so you and might have a little bit of slower activity. So it's or? nobody wants to take medicine the rest of their life. Nobody does. Everybody would love to get off of it. But when you take those things, sometimes they do work, sometimes they don't. Well, I, there was one thing that I forgot to, to mention on our methylation episode. I get this question all the time. Can you fix, you know, methylation is the pathway responsible for over 250 biochemical processes in the body. It's big. It's a big topic. Right. I always get the question, uh, well, if I start taking the methylation complete or the neuramine stabilizer, which are our methylation support products, do I have to take these for the rest of my life? Can I fix my methylation pathway? Your response usually is, can you fix thyroid if you have a thyroid condition? Right. And the answer to that is no. The answer is no. What I tell people is, as much as I hate it, I have to stop and fill my truck up with gas every week. Yeah, that's and the so, same way with methylation. And so it's really the same way. Until we learn how to transfect genes, which I'm not really sure will be a great thing, mm-hmm. still guarded and how we would change people genetically, that's... Scary. That's scary. There's That's going to be a lot of controversy when that comes around. Until then, we just need to bypass it. Okay. And there's no other way that I know of. Yeah, you know, coming from a, a supplement company, I always feel like a salesman going, oh, yeah, you know, we can't fix methylation pathway, so you got to take this for the rest of your mm-hmm. life. And, you know, it's not meaning to sound like that, whether it's our products or anybody's products out there on the market. You know, it's just something that we have to do if you have those mutations that we're going to talk about later on in future episodes. Again, neuramine syndromes, headaches, migraines. I want to talk just real briefly on the migraine that you may get. Now, doctor, a lot of people may not know this. Dr. Stewart works with a lot of uh, NFL teams. He works with 
couple of universities. He's uh, head of a couple of boards of um, concussion and head injury disease. So I can't really name them legally. But head injuries are, are kind of tricky because you get patients that come in that have migraines, but it was actually from a head injury. Yeah, well, the biggest problem is is that if you have a, a son or daughter or yourself and you're playing sports, I mean, many times a headache is the sign of a concussion. Ah. Um, and so if you don't have an objective foundation to understand whether you had a concussion or not and you have a headache, then I've had lots of people come in who've been told they've had a concussion and can't play a sport when they really didn't have a concussion. What was it? Well, they just had headaches. Oh. Guess what? Migraines or dizziness or things like that. But if you're playing football and you complain of a headache, you're immediately benched and told you can't play, etc. We learned a long time ago that you just don't guess. Okay. Yeah. I'm just not comfortable with guessing. I mean, you know, I'm a surgeon and you're not going to let me cut you open if I'm guessing. Correct. So basically we use uh, most uh, commonly we use a platform posturography, which means you can't fake balance. And the unique thing about a head injury is if you ding the brain, which is the worst form of head injury, you really have very little stability at all. You will move all over the place and become disoriented, etc. We also learned uh, from our work at the University of Texas back in the early part of last decade that if you get hit in, let's say, a football game, baseball game, etc., you can also suffer what's called a vestibular concussion, uh-huh. which is where you only damage the plane where you get hit in. So that throws the inner ear off, so the inner ear starts to feed your brain bad information, and then the brain doesn't work as well, and you develop headaches because your inner ears help you control your eyes and your body movement mm-hmm. through space. And so there, most people don't realize that there's two types of concussions. There's the cerebral concussion where you ding the brain. That's losing consciousness. You know, you're knocked out. You, you know, know you have a concussion. You know you have a concussion. And then actually the majority of sports concussions are the opposite. They are actually vestibular concussions where the inner ear has been dinged and you actually sway if you close your and eyes. they you should be treated brain. completely different. They're completely different. If you have a brain concussion, what we typically do is rest. And an inner ear concussion, we certainly assist the body in recovering from it, but we need to move those people. I think that's why Dr. Stewart has been so successful and people ask him all the time to see these famous athletes and stuff because he figured that out quite a long time ago. When I worked in your clinic again, I would see patients that would get on that platform test that you're talking about in the sensory view suite and uh, you'd get the report and you'd go, hey, well, did you hit your head on the left side in the front? Right. And they're like, no, I don't think so. And then they start to think about 20 years back, they hit the windshield in a car accident. Sure. And you could tell by that test exactly where they got hit. And, right, and always remember that no matter what happens in damage to the nervous system is the way we heal it is the same. Okay. That's the blessing in what God's done. The way we heal a nerve injury from a concussion, the way we heal a nerve injury from from trauma, the way we heal a migraine, the way we, the way we heal the brain is always the same. It requires the same three components, which is inflammation control. Mm-hmm. Number two is mitochondrial energy. You got to have energy for the cell. And number three is having the right nutritional products plentiful, yep. plentifully enough. The right ingredients. To overcome whatever you're trying to heal. So this person that's walking around for 20 years with a concussion, they just have so much inflammation they could never recover yeah, themselves? Well, they just may not have a methylation problem and never have 
had enough to recover. So they'll be diagnosed with ADD. Okay. Yeah, and a lot of that. Yeah. So if you look happens. at the definition of post-concussion syndrome and ADD, you'll see they're almost identical. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, again, thank you, Dr. Stewart. I'm blown away again, as usual, because uh, like I said, every time I talk to you, there's more information. I wish we had more time to talk, but we want everybody to have a great day, and we're going to go enjoy our Sunday afternoon here in beautiful Austin, Texas, and I hope you have um, a blessed and wonderful Sunday. The views expressed by show hosts or their guests are their own and shall not be construed in any way as advice in place of your own medical practitioners. We encourage you to seek professional advice or care for any problem which you may have. 